Asama dudes, it is Monday, and you know what that means. This is another episode of Big Stick Energy coming at you live on the Out of Bounds Collective. Uh, my name is Tori. I feel like I don't even need to introduce ourselves anymore, but you never know. We could have some new listeners on the pod week to week. Um, my name's Tori. Uh, you can find me at Tori A. Alina on Instagram, and I'm here with my best friend and my co-host, Renee McCurdy. McCurdy. Sorry, it's Renee McCurds. Um, and <laughs> you can find her at Renee McCurds on Instagram. We are two of the five co-founders of the uh, Womb Tang brand, and we are stoked to be bringing you that big stick energy today. Anyways, enough kerfuffle. Renee, what is your peak and your trough for the week? We decided that we were going to introduce this because checking in your in on your friends is crucial and mental health is like get stoked about one thing and then be honest about one thing that completely sucked. Okay, peak. My peak for this past week, I watched one of my best friends get married in the mountains and that was a lot of feelings, really, really happy feelings. So stoked to finally celebrate that because with COVID, it's been canceled a couple times and lots has happened in her life, in my life, and just getting to see all my second fam and have a good time was really, really enjoyable. Um, trough, I got sick after going to this wedding, luckily, testing negative for COVID every single time. And it's been pretty mild, so thank you immune system. But still spent pretty much all day yesterday sleeping. So it is what it is. Sorry if I cough, my bad. <laughs> Sorry if I cough. I feel like coughing is just so inappropriate in all contexts right now in the world. Like you yeah. cough and you can just feel everybody's eyes piercing your back. They're like, this bitch. What is she doing? Yeah. Yep. Tori, peak and trough. Peak. Everybody's going to laugh. I'm a plant nerd. But I planted my first uh, herb garden and they sprouted and they're so cute. And now I don't know how to keep them alive past that. And I'm panicking. So that is my peak. I was very excited. Um, my trough. Ooh. My trough is all of the bills I had to pay this week, like getting my ADHD meds, going to therapy, uh, like dentist appointments, food, just like all of this extra shit, speeding tickets, like ADHD tax, things you forget about. And just life is expensive. But hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And yeah, is what it is. Oh, Another peak, I cleaned my mountain bike and I'm very excited to go biking soon because be sick if winter just chilled. Mellow, you know? I feel like I'm living like housewife stuff right now. I'm stoked about gardening and cleaning my bike. <laughs> so Yeah, I need to fix all of my bikes, unfortunately. All of them. What do you have to do to your bikes? My mountain bike needs a new brake rotor. I have it. I just have to put it on. My road bike has a flat tire and my DH bike has something with the pedal that I need to see what even is the problem. Maybe a broken bearing. What even is the problem? I'm such a fucking bike noob. Yeah. Anyway, I'm stoked anyway. to go biking this week. 
There you go. You're going my on sled. A sick it's done. Biking trip. Winter's over. She's packed. <laughs> we can talk about that next week. <laughs> yes, we can. But you want to know who winter absolutely destroyed this season? Our guest today, <laughs> Molly. <laughs> Molly Armanino. I met her at a ski comp and she is the bomb.com. Really, really cool human. And we'll go into a little bit about her um, medical scenario that she had a few weeks back. And and hopefully, hopefully it's still going okay for her. We should check in and, and see what the update is. But um, she sent me a picture and it was gnarly. You got a picture? I wanted a picture. I never got one. Damn it. Um, she did post one a little shit. while back. Anyway. Um, we're just going to like leave it at that so you have to listen and find out what exactly happened to her because it's quite a story. Yes. Um, competing. Early. Yeah, competing. She's been crushing, really good shot at making Freeride World Tour up until this big event happened. So big ups to Molly. Hopefully next year is the year. If you don't follow her, she posts wild GoPro videos of huge lines and she also is a big advocate for sustainability, climate change in her area. So yeah. all around super awesome human. She is. I've actually never met Molly, but I've been fangirling through the interview or not through the interview. Sorry. I also fangirled through the interview, but I've been fangirling on the Internet for a hot minute watching how hard and how fast she's progressed and the stuff that she skis like hot diggity dang. She is a stunt nugget, like the definition of a stunt nugget. Um, in this episode, she also gives tips on like that mental state that you kind of need to step into to start skiing bigger lines and things that you should assess in like the back country if you want to start trying to ski some bigger stuff. And yeah, she's just like all around a entertaining and great human being. So this episode is super fun. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, before we get into it, we're going to drop a quick ad because, you know, got to pay those bills. And our uh, our sponsor this week kind of fits into the whole spring theme, which we are all pumped for because bike season. So we'll drop that quick and then we'll get into the episode. Sierra Nevada, they are the OG of craft brewing. If you're in the United States, if you're in Canada, you've heard of them. If you're a craft nerd, you're into it. A uh, sunny little thing, it's Sierra Nevada's new citrus wheat ale. It is an easy drinking wheat ale packed with citrus, balanced by a soft, smooth finish, and it's only 5% ABV, which means lightweights like myself can get into it without getting too tipsy on a Thursday afternoon. There's citrus in every single sip. It's available year round, and it's joining the hazy big and wild little thing as the newest member of the Sierra Nevada's Little Things family. The Little Things are the most fun and approachable beers in craft, which means that there is something for everybody. So go find your thing, grab yourself some Sierra Nevada this weekend, and get stoked for spring. We're recording now. So Molly, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Um, tell them who you are, what you do, where you're from, any like relevant information to help them kind of understand your story with a bit of background. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Molly Armino and a lot of people can't say it, but since we're on air, I might as well say it's Armino and, um, and yeah, that is 
well, first of all, my name. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, second of all, I grew up in South Tahoe, California. Um, well, I grew up in Placerville, which is about an hour from South Lake. Um, and pretty much I've been a skier my entire life. So, um, yeah, so like kind of left the mountains, came back, fell back in love with them and um, and kind of just never, never left left so um I did some traveling though I did leave home a little bit and um yeah and then uh as of lately I've been doing a lot uh, on my like professional side to do like some uh, climate work with the city um and yeah that's kind of was like a climate ski activist slash skier um in California yeah <laughs> and you've been doing lots of um throughout world tour qualification comps so that's how I met you so yeah that and that was maybe two years ago or the year before last year yeah because we went in Canada that's right yeah that's been yeah. at least a couple years yeah that, that was those were fun times yeah this year um I think this year is my third year competing so when I met you Renee that was like also my first year um a little nerve-wracking and 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 this year I've been kind of um, doing not all of them, but more than I had because the prior year was COVID. So we only had a couple in the first place. Um, so this was the first year I was like, yes, I'm going to like fully commit and and do it and and uh, see how far I can get. So. So, yeah. What made you want to start the comps? I don't know. Somebody uh, mm, I'll have to. I'll have to like go back into my memory bank and figure out what was going through my head. But I do know um, one reason for doing the comps was I wanted to learn how to ski lines. I, and that would be a really good way to um, figure that out. Just I know it's a weird concept to just have people judge you, but um, I think there is a difference between just skiing lines and also competition skiing. But when I started, I, I was kind of in between both. So yeah, I, I wanted to compete because I just wanted to be a better skier pretty much. Yeah. So, so that was, I thought it was a constructive, um, like kind of more objective thing to, to do and kind of be more productive with skiing, I guess. For sure. Yeah. I remember um, my first comp, I had no idea what to do. Didn't even know what the judges were going to like critique me on and got to the bottom and I was like third last, I think. And the only two girls behind me were the ones that ate shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're like, I, <laughs> I know. I was just like, okay, I obviously have no idea what I'm doing. But then um, like the that I sat down with one of the judges and I was like, can you like help me understand a little bit better? And he kind of like coached me through it and like told me some areas where like I could have improved my run. And it, uh, it did help a lot, like learning how to ski fall line and like control and like how to pick your run and everything. Like it does help with scoping big lines. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's kind of what I gathered to it. Like it helped a lot with fluidity as well. And and control because yeah yes I don't I'm not gonna say I'm like the most controlled skier now but I'm definitely more controlled than I I used to be so yeah hey that's what progression's about yeah. <laughs> um, I like I've never personally met you but watching your progression over the last couple of years I don't know how long we've been Instagram friends for maybe like two years 
Um, I think almost earlier than well, maybe we'll go two years, but I I remember Something like, like that. yeah, I remember being early on just chatting with you and um yeah yeah seeing all your stuff and, and where where are you are you up in Canada as well yeah I mean I'm in Calgary so just outside of the Rockies yeah yeah um but I remember like every single season you were posting like gnarlier and gnarlier lines and you'd always post something I'd be like what the fuck and I'd send it to my boyfriend and be like this chick freaking sends <laughs> so it's like you've had such intense progression and like you're um are there any free ride qualifiers left or they're finished hey um they are not I actually oh. can't do the last two shit because you're like high up um, there this season aren't you I think I saw like the current yeah. rankings oh no I'm sorry am I poking a bear I think I may be poking no a it's okay <laughs> okay I'm, 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 um yeah, it's okay I just <laughs> yeah, you've so grieved I, it <laughs> I don't know if I, yeah I've grieved it already and so but yeah unfortunately the last two were the most important to make so like, fuck I know I'm so sorry <laughs> okay yeah. this is the way she goes sometimes yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. <clears throat> I, um, I do feel like oh go ahead sorry oh no go ahead I'm sorry it is hard to tell like when to talk on this sometimes but go ahead finish your sentence <laughs> um, I was just gonna say like a, 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 despite probably not making it into the tour I I think I I I, I w wanted to see if I could do it and I um I think I can so I not like not a lot of hard feelings about not going yeah I mean I don't count for anything, but I definitely think that you are Freeride World Tour quality skier, so you could do it. I know oh, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have no doubts. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just it's not just... sure if I would want to do the qualifying season again, but it's like, yeah. it is it's just a, a, it's such a big commitment. Ugh. Huge commitment, like time, money, everything. And I don't know, like, I guess, I'm sure there's some people who, who listen that know what it is and some people don't, but like each event is you pay the entrance fee, which is like hundreds of dollars just for you to ski one run and get judged on it. Plus you have to travel to all these places across North America. I mean, they have them in Europe too, but the travel, the lodging, like you pay half of your lift tickets or more because they don't always give you lift tickets and it all adds up pretty easily, pretty easy, especially gas prices these days. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, in this economy, geez. <laughs> and you yeah. don't even get much if you win. Like, it, yeah, you make it to the tour maybe, but on the qualifying circuit, it's not really that fruitful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless you, like, win, that's pretty much. But then they make it really hard to win. And um, I know it's, yeah, it's a lot of money and work to participate. It's definitely, like, kind of caters to the people who can do it and uh, like money aside it's also just the amount of time I mean I'm lucky enough to have a really good work setup and can and my boss like lets me work at nights and is really they're both they're all really supportive of um like this goal of mine so it's really nice but I mean I don't know what other if other people don't have a remote job or they have to work really hard just so they can get work off just to go to these comps um yeah it's it's like um, you have to be very you have to really want to do it <laughs> to, to, to do it I think yeah. yeah no kidding it's uh 
it's interesting to see like the discrepancy between like slope style. I feel like slope style has really been uh, like booming over the last, I don't know, 10 years, especially since making it into the Olympics and everything. There's a lot more attention on it. It'd be sick to see that happen with free ride. I don't know how or to what degree, but like ski racing, for example, mm-hmm. um, if somebody podiums in ski racing on the World Cup circuit, they win like $30,000. It's insane. So like there's so much money behind it. And it'd be interesting to see um, if there's any developments that could happen in free ride and how that's kind of like my business brain geeking out a little bit, but it just sucks that people dedicate everything to this. There's so much progression and cost and just like, yeah, dedication, motivation, perseverance, everything like through injuries, like um, another recent interview that we had Taylor Pratt, he was saying that one of his athletes uh, just got completely wrecked in a competition and it just came off life support and everything. So it's like, there's so much risk to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. outside of progressing as on your own, it's like, there's not a lot there, is there? Yeah. But yeah, there's not a lot like of back. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I I admire the skill and, and I do think free ride is going to come a long way in the future and I hoping like hopefully more money is behind it. But, um, the pure, like, especially for the, the, the men's category is so large and there's so much, such a large pool for like pushing competition that it's insane what these guys do. And then it's insane to like see what people and what people end up doing and then still to like come down the hill and get end up getting 13th like I watched a guy do like an 80 foot backflip off of this giant cliff like like the most mind-blowing thing I've ever seen really and he ended up you know eighth or ninth or something crazy it's just yeah I don't know it's 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 hard I think it's hard for a lot of people mentally but on the bright side the community is like really fun to be a part of once you kind of get get like into it I mean everybody's really supportive I met so many amazing women athletes like Renee for example um which which is like essentially why I'm on this podcast so on the you know as much as it's like physically taxing mentally um draining and also yeah kind of taps into your ego a little bit it also kind of gives a lot of helps you meet a lot of people and um spreads the spreads the networking internally um around a little bit yeah yeah Mm -hmm. for sure yeah I've met some of my really good friends who are competing so yeah it's fun it's it's fun yeah yeah and I don't know if if you found this but I found too with competing I knew when I started I hadn't even been skiing that long but I figured out kind of how I wanted to ski and then trying to find other girls that were willing to push themselves in that way to ski that type of terrain and want to go bigger or try new tricks or it can be difficult to find your niche in there. And when I would go to the comps, we'd all go shred after. And that was when I did all the coolest things I've ever done really is that group shred (laughs) after the comp. And I would do like pretty much like every coolest thing I've ever done has mostly been after those comps with the girls. (laughs) Yeah, way cooler awesome. than my actual run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's the funnest part for sure. Yeah, yeah. could you um, 
I just be curious because like that, the mentality to like push yourself to ski bigger lines, like your GoPro footage is so insightful because you can hear yourself like breathing and counting yourself in. And like, what is your practice to kind of overcome your fear as you're starting to dive into some of those bigger lines? Hmm. Um, like it kind of depends what type of line it is because I, I think I'm starting to realize what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at. Um, so the stuff that I'm going to try that I'm not so good at, it's a little more terrifying. Um, but what, to be honest, what I, I kind of just, I have to like, I have to like black out. Like I have to just like, I, I know the risks. Like I know I, I should like, I visualize what can happen. Obviously it would be like, is worst case scenario. Um, and then, and then, yeah, from there, I kind of, like, have to figure out if that's going to be worth it or not. You know, like, is, is the snow good? Is it, is it worth it? And I, and I, I haven't, like, growing up, I've never been somebody to, like, not do something because of snow quality. Um, but lately, I've been able to, like, analyze, like, a little bit what the outcome likely is going to be. <laughs> and then when I'm scared, I just, like, put that, I just like minimize the the risk and I just kind of like I just have to go like you're because you can't just stand up there for too, for for long you know like and and the more that I kind of ski bigger lines the more and the more like okay just go mentality comes like the faster I can like start doing like I can start doing it like I just know it's going to be okay my friend Chris tells me a lot about like he has this really good ability he calls it like the red light green light and he kind of like has been like over time he's he's maybe been skiing longer than I have and um has like this really awesome ability to say yes I'm this is I, this will go or no this won't and I think I'm like getting there but I'm a little in the in the middle still sometimes I don't know and sometimes I have to figure out if it's going to be worth it mm. yeah but tomahawks are okay as as long as the snow's like pretty soft, you know. Like the snow, if, if the snow's soft, like you can do anything. You could, as long as you're like your skis come off, you know. <laughs> as long as they come off, yes. Yeah. The the, the high din thing is like you know risk and reward. It just depends yeah. on how bad the tomahawk is. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. What are what are some of your criteria for assessing? whether the risk is worth it or not. Like, you know, snow quality is a huge factor. Uh, did you see Jess Hodder's tomahawk? Oh, like, yeah. Slow-mo, oh, yeah. fucking yep. gnarly. Yep. My mom sent me that video without knowing Jess is one of my best friends. And she was like, this is insane. I was like, so funny story. That's my best friend. She was like, what the fuck? You're skiing with these people? Like, is she okay? Oh my god! I was like, yeah, she's fine. It was like skiing's like snow is so forgiving if it's in good snow. Like as long as there's no rocks or trees, like you're pretty good. <laughs> Just yeah, keep on going. I hope <laughs> so. she didn't. I hope she didn't see Jess's video of like the falling on the rock. Did she see that one? I don't know no, Jess, I, but I, I've so, I've seen the gnarly the gnarly clips from this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she Just saw the rock it. one, but the. The tomahawk went viral, viral. So yes, even my yes. mother saw it in whatever yes. corner of the internet she exists on. <laughs> yeah, girls are crushing it these days. They are, yeah. The level is so high. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I saw it even just competing in qualifiers for a couple years. Like I look at when I started them, and then now, and it's increased a lot even in that time because the younger girls coming up are just that much more in contention. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they uh, and also the younger kids like know how to ski free ride really well. Like they, and also the the other thing that I wish. I had more of was like this the kind of competition mindset the like you know like the one run you just kind of like know what you just have been through it you know what to do and so you're up there like oh my god is this gonna make or break my career today <laughs> I don't know so yeah I, I did notice the younger girls are like a lot more composed like they they got it you know yeah. yeah, I think they just look like they're more composed. Maybe. We're just more outward with our, like, I am shitting my pants. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. It is intimidating no matter what. It is, yeah. Um, but back to that question before we got sidetracked talking about phenomenal yeah. tomahawks. Um, what what are some of the other criteria that help you assess it? Like, I mean, trusting mm-hmm. yourself is a huge aspect and recovery is a skill set. Falling is a skill set. So, like... You know, what are you analyzing in the takeoff and landing before you decide it's worth it? Hmm. Well, I I guess like why I guess I want mm, I it's not too much analyzation unless the line's incredibly techy and you're in the backcountry and then that's kind of like for me in the backcountry skiing lines it's it's way bigger like way more analyzation has to happen. Like I have to figure out if I do this, like if something breaks, where am I going to go? How, like how fast am I going to ski this? Like, can I ski it that fast? A lot of times in the backcountry, it's like, what is the snow doing? You don't, you know, you ski one run and it's not consistent at all. So you just kind of like have to brace yourself for um, like uh, so many different factors uh, to analyze in the backcountry. So I do assess all of that. And then, um, and then kind of like at least then like ski a nice flu ideally fluid larger line um but then like the smaller kind of resort hits you know like if you're up there and you're with all your friends and they're like do it you're like oh god i have to do it okay and you kind of just like i don't think there's much analyzing <laughs> i think it's just like oh shit okay um yeah here we go i often like have a couple like of my friends just like just do it and then I'm like at the top like okay my brother is at the bottom just like don't tell her to do it just tell her to be careful (laughs) he's like don't do it um so yeah so I think there's like a you know when you're at the resort like with friends and stuff it's so easy to just be like okay 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 here we go here we go and like um and then yeah I think backcountry lines like slower I really I really just have to like I have to be as humble as I can because when I'm out there I I know that I don't know as much as I should and I don't think anybody knows as much as they should when they're out there um except maybe that guy that wrote that staying alive book (laughs) um but even he says he doesn't know it also so it's just a lot more stuff to kind of like think about and you're you're kind of operating at like a higher anxiety level like less less like fun more like okay okay like just you know like just be cool just don't die in an avalanche (laughs) for sure I don't I think like being able to ski big lines like resort versus not resort is something that a lot of people maybe don't understand that much about like I know that 
Um, like I've had people that I've gone to university with message me on Facebook or Instagram. They're like, Hey, can you take me back country skiing for my first time? I'm like, I will not. I'm sorry. It's like, I really wish that I felt confident enough to be your like Yoda out there, but I am not. Um, but especially in Canada too, it's scary out there. (laughs) We got big shit out here, but yeah. Um, when it comes to those backcountry ones, like snow, snow quality aside, like I think that choosing your exit route and slough management are huge. Can you think of anything else that would maybe go into that? Um, well, slough management is huge. Finding, yeah, finding like a safe spot um, in case something goes is huge. Um, and then I guess from there, it kind of depends on the, the type of skiing that you're doing. I mean, if you're kind of on a low angle free ride line um it's yeah you kind of have to know like you because you don't really ski when you go ski a line like it's mostly visual inspection I guess when you're hiking up you're like oh that looks good or that looks sweet to hit jump off of but you don't really know like what's under the surface you don't know if you're gonna dry dock or like so so you just kind of have to really I guess the thing with like scoping a backcountry line when while you're hiking up and being like oh I'm gonna ski this you just kind of um I've learned at least to like know when something goes or not like like if I'm like like okay that goes for sure like I can I saw it I know what's under there I like looked at it looked at the bottom of it like even if I fall even if I Tommy like it's gonna be fine versus like a different line maybe in a couloir or like some like exposure um and like kind of mountaineering stuff it's like you like at least what this year I'm learning is it's like maybe those bigger cooler lines aren't for sending they're for like getting down safely you know like I, and I'm kind of toying with it because I, I want to ski coolers and I want to ski huge lines and I want to ski them like well and fast and fluidly but then um, especially after this trip I kind of learned that it's like okay just like slow down and like the more you do the the more you hike the more you're in shape the more you can like ski coolars like the faster you can ski them but like don't try to just like free ride ski these giant coolars because like yeah because there's so much other things that could go wrong like yeah you could tommy down a cooler which would suck and or like um hit a rock or i don't know so it kind of depends like i think yeah like the resort the double black diamond green blue circle like you can kind of apply that to the backcountry i think and and like take take it from there yeah let's talk about this trip that you just did <laughs> since you kind of just alluded to it yeah um, that country trip that you were just on because it was quite eventful so we can start at the beginning also before we start that Stoned and alone. How does it start and what is it? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, it started over the summer and I was just with my friend. We were climbing uh, in Wyoming, just in the middle of nowhere, really. Um, and I don't know. I think I I you know, I know everybody's probably wondering how high am I actually when like I'm doing stone and alone. And the truth is like um well when it started I was pretty high and and um and yeah, like we, it just kind of like came out of nowhere. We were both just like blasted hiking through Wyoming and started raining. And then she was like, she was like slipping down the hill. And they were like, they're, I don't know, it was just really wild experience. And like, we didn't know if we were going to get 
like stuck on the road because it was raining so much we didn't know if we could like get out and drive so I just felt really vulnerable and really stoned and um and she was with me so um yeah that's kind of how stoned and alone started and then since then I was realizing how many opportunities I had to do stoned and alone episodes being stoned and alone um a lot a lot of uh, my winter so it kind of progressed from there and and um and yeah it's fun it's like a fun thing I didn't know it was gonna be such a a hit so <laughs> Fuck, that's so yeah. funny they're all wondering <laughs> how high is Molly it's like I'm fucking blitzed like I am like next level baked potato like crispy skin yeah. all the fixings I am toasted <laughs> yeah to answer your question <laughs> most most of the time <laughs> oh fuck that's iconic that's yeah. so good <laughs> okay but the trip oh stuff. right yeah yeah so let's but yeah what happened on this trip let's hear yeah. about it um so like it was it was a really cool trip I'm glad I took it I I was the timing was a little poor I was in the middle of finals at the free ride world qualifiers um and I was a little bit I think I underestimated the um the seriousness of like what we were doing I suppose like um I had been out to Cook City once before and I was obsessed with it and Cook City is like this like hodong town in Montana um like uh right next to the Beartooth um and the Beartooth range is this just giant well not like crazy giant like maybe 12,000 um but pretty big peaks that it is really exciting and so I figured if I'm already going to be in Big Sky for the comp, I might as well, like, go and explore the Beartooth. And my friend said that he would be down. Um, and then, you know, just, like, an easy five-day hike into the backcountry <laughs> was the idea before my comp. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did everything that I, like, I, you know, I have this, like, kind of, like, like be careful feeling like a little bit of a gut feeling of like, Ooh, this is kind of sketchy when, as soon as everybody was like, be careful of avalanches out there. It's really sketchy snowpack just in cook city in general. Um, and just like, be careful. But I was like, okay, well, if I'll just, I'll be very careful with avalanche safety. I'll like pay really, I'll pay as best attention as I can to what's going on with the snow and assess decisions. Like as we make them, um, and then I kind of like trusted that I would make the right decisions. And we kept, so we went out there and um, had a really awesome time. He'd like some crazy lines, really big, crazy lines and hiked a bunch. And I was really tired the whole time. I actually didn't even really make much of like any boot pack. My, my partner pretty much boot pack like the whole way. I was so tired. And um <laughs> and I hadn't really been like big mountain skiing like that um, really all year so yeah and then the one day it was like really cold it was like maybe 20 negative 20 in the in the couloir I guess I don't know uh, to me it felt like maybe negative 20 degrees in Fahrenheit that is um and and then uh, I was just so focused on being like trying to keep my body warm that I for I honestly like didn't I my boot heaters died so I didn't have boot heaters and I just didn't really like I wasn't paying attention to my feet I could still move my toes do all the things but it was really really cold 
skied that whole day was off like pretty miserable but like still really committed to skiing so I was like yeah so it was like pow I'm not gonna like slow down and you know assess anything um as I should have and then by the time I took my boots off that night I just like knew that I had frostbite on my foot it was like like my all my toes were just like ghost white and on top of that I already had been dealing with frostbite from Canada like earlier that year because Canada's really really cold and I'm just like I'm just this you know a California girl just like trying to go to all these freezing like arctic places and um yeah so I realized that frostbite was like oh shit went to bed I think I did everything wrong like I think I like they told I now that I was googling I rubbed my they were like don't rub your feet I was like rubbing my feet to get them warm I put um like uh the hand warmers on my on my feet as well just to like get them warmer and then I woke up and they were so swollen it was crazy like my yeah my frostbitten foot was really swollen but I was still five miles out so I had to like have my ski partner take my foot and then push my knee down into my ski boot just to get my ski boot on and um I was like I was like losing it and I posted today on my Instagram story like all the screenshots because I was like I know this is embarrassing but you know it's good content for stoned it alone like I was you know I was crying alone in the wilderness like I had to get it so I got some like crying content and um anyway I didn't really have a choice I had to, we had to go out like I couldn't just like not put my ski boot on and and hike out so so yeah and then I took my ski boot off and I was like oh shit and then I went to the ER and they were like yeah you're not gonna ski for the rest of the season like you're done this is crazy and like and then all the nurses came in because I felt like a scientific experiment and I started googling and and since then I've just been um trying to avoid google and uh and and yeah just kind of focusing on (laughs) getting my toe back in order so that's kind of the story but it was crazy skiing like we skied from we skied so much like so much pow so much dad laps and pow fuck the frostbite i got pitted yeah exactly and at least i was in montana too like like the lady i guess knows a lot about frostbite it's like a huge thing in montana so at least so gnarly yeah Yeah. so gnarly but actually it's it's true because when i lived in calgary doing nursing school there we would see frostbite quite often um it's just like we saw it when i was in banff but also like when i was doing school in Calgary, there's the homeless population there gets really affected by it if they're outside in the winter. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen some gnarly frostbite from that. But here in Vancouver, like I just did all my emergency specialty training and we learn about burns and they just gloss over frostbite because they're, it's just not cold enough on the coast. Yeah. But it doesn't happen that often. Like they just are <laughs> like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I feel like so, you here for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably the California vibe as well. Like, yeah. frostbite, what's that? Right, it's a really weird <laughs> injury. I know. It is. Yeah. I know that feeling with your toes where it's like, okay, these hurt. Like, I'm obviously cold, but then the hurt goes away. And you're like, oh, 
maybe it's okay. And then you take off your boots. You're like, it's not okay. Mm -hmm. Like I've had the blood come back into my toes once they're starting to get warm. And I'm literally holding my toes and crying. Like it's so painful and they're so swollen. And like, now I think after all of that, because like I just skied in Fernie for this weekend and it was spring and I'm not sure if my boots are too tight, but I'm still having like really big circulation problems with my feet and like any amount of coldness, they start tingling and they get swollen. So I think I did have frostbite at one point and maybe I didn't realize it, like maybe first degree or something very, very minor, but the feeling of like, oh, the pain's gone. It's that, that should be a good sign to anybody listening that you should maybe check your toes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> they call when the feeling comes back. It's called the screaming barfies. Yep. It's yes. mainly an ice climbing term because ice climbers have their hands above their head in the cold. And just like everything about ice climbing sounds kind of miserable to me. Yeah. But people love it. So all the power to them. Yes. They're, it's just not me. Um, <laughs> But I frostbit my, not as bad as you, Molly, but when I patrolled, I frostbit my toes and my, and the tip of my toes. Oh, I <laughs> At Lake Louise, it was minus 41 and I was ski patrolling and we still had to work because they didn't close down the lifts or anything. It was, it was ridiculous. It was like quite gnarly. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't cold, get like, like it worse then on your like I just yeah I mean yeah I definitely I got blistering so that would oh, be like okay. second degree I guess yeah, yeah, yeah like if you get blisters that'd be second so yeah, yeah. what's first degree look like Renee nurse Renee <laughs> uh so I guess I I don't know if I could say like exactly for frostbite is a type of therm, thermal burn but I'm not sure what the equivalent would be for frostbite normally like if you touch something and it's really hot and you get that red mark, but it doesn't blister, that would be a first degree burn. So whatever the like cold equivalent to that would be, where it's really just the very, very top layer that is affected. When it's second degree, you get the blistering because it goes slightly bit deeper. So you get fluid that comes up. And then third degree is even deeper than that. So yeah, I just Googled first degree burns and that's what my toes looked like that one day. Um, yeah, when Molly yeah. told us that she got third degree, I Googled it and now I, that is so gnarly. I don't know if anybody listening to this wants to go and do that. Her, we, we, it, am I allowed to share the color of your toes? <laughs> I was actually gonna, I just did like a poll on my story today, um, to see how many people would be willing to see a photo. So I'm just scared. Like everybody I talk, everybody I show photos to, they're like, oh my God oh so it's like it's kind of and then I had one guy like also no I don't think people realize that how like like I don't think they realize how like serious it is because like, it doesn't seem like I had my my friend or actually like one of our clients like I was like oh like you know small medical emergency uh and he's like oh what happened I'm like uh you know third degree frostbite and he's just like started laughing hysterically like it's you know kind of like oh molly like you uh done it this time but it's more like oh shit like i hope you i hope you my toe's gonna be fine I, I i won't lose my whole toe so like that's are you gonna lose part of your toe um maybe yeah maybe <laughs> to be honest yeah yeah which 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 I have so many questions. I don't know if they're appropriate. Which um, toe? It's my <laughs> big toe. It's my big toe that like I'm mostly worried about. So, but Shit. I I do think the bone is fine and 
I think it'll just like maybe look weirder than it already does, which is hard to believe because it's already like super weird looking in the first place. Um, Man, you know what? No skier has hot feet. No, I got Some monsters. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, Some... if you can get if you can get hot feet and be a skier, that would be like the dream. You know, I was literally at the grocery store and I had like um like business Tory like business casual outfit and I was wearing my Doc Martens and this girl was like oh my god I don't know how you wear those I like tried to break them in and I couldn't do it and I was like yeah I'm a skier so I don't know if I've ever like you know every time I'm in my ski boots I'm miserable then my yeah, feet are kind of like fucked heaven. up so this is really nothing at the end of the day <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 hopefully next year I'll figure out like a good boot situation <laughs> Very yeah. gnarly. Get this yep. girl a heated sock with <laughs> <Like> toe cap <laughs> sponsorship yeah. because you need it. <laughs> yeah. Or like foot photos for donations towards new like heated toe cap socks for you with like the yeah. Mac Daddy lithium batteries with three times the charge. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't even need a, a toe sponsorship. I just like, I'll just collect money from, I've been told multiple by multiple different people to set up an OnlyFans fan for it. An for Frostbite? Page. Well, for like, you know, like foot photos of like disgusting, really horribly like decaying looking feet and see how much um, people would put down. You okay. know, this is an experiment. Uh, I can't unknow that. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I want to know. Like, not, like, I mean, it's pretty bad, but like, it's not like the gang yet. And also, um, yeah, I don't know if people would sign up for that. Too. Dude, you should see how much oh, money because I think if somebody so weird. <laughs> Because where would somebody get those types of photos, like fresh? Like you can only Google that to a certain extent. So I bet they would pay bank. You should Honestly, do it as an experiment. Yeah. I know doctors are pretty into it right now. So I think that's why I'm getting like such good care is because they're like, they want to see like, it's like a case study. They're like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, let's figure out like what happens next. (laughs) They're making bets. It's like, (laughs) being in a hyperbaric chamber, like what is it like in the chamber? I've, I know there is one in Vancouver. And it's the one here is like the only one for all of Western Canada, I think. And then there's one on the east somewhere. So they're not super common, but I have never like actually seen it or been in it. Okay, um, but is I'm it like, exciting or you is need it to explain like, to me what that is before she like explains what it's like because I don't know what that is. It's like an oxygen tank for like scuba divers will go do it to like stop the bends it's like a futuristic tank they just kind of put you in and then they put you under 100 percent oxygen in the tank okay um the only reference i have to anything medical related is gray's anatomy and i know that's fucking embarrassing but they do have one of those on gray's anatomy oh that's good yeah, yeah right, they do. okay no, so I, I do know what you're talking about so what's it like what's it like to be in that much oxygen <laughs> um it's kind of nice i honestly like i think it's really good for a lot of things like my face feels like pretty fresh when I get out like I don't you know like I just washed it or something and um it's like I think it's really good for just overall healing in general um 
which is nice. Like, I think your body really needs oxygen, turns out, <laughs> obviously. And, um, and then in terms of, yeah, so I'm kind of just in there for an hour and a half. And I've been watching some movies, but also I'm trying to, like, quiet my mind. And while I'm in there and I can't do anything else, I'm, I'm like, hoping to kind of practice some, like, meditation and reflection and kind of just, like, you know, go through, like, take the time to do some other types of healing while I'm at it, you know, because it's, yeah, it's going to be like a longer, a long ride to healing for sure. Yeah. Well, I have my fingers crossed for you. Thank you. And your, your toes because yeah. you're very good at skiing. So I want to keep watching that. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll be able to, I, I'm, I'm 95% sure I'll be skiing like next year. So. It'll just yeah. be in sunny California. Yeah. Warm. warm. <laughs> very re weary from now on, which is a bummer because the best skiing is like in Pow when it's like that cold. So, yeah, be careful. Yeah. Hopefully, you can get some of like the the gear. Just make sure you have like backups and mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's difficult though. I admire your like perseverance. I have such a fine teetering point if I'm too cold or too hot. Like I have to be the right temperature. But you're like freaking bitted boys. Like that's admirable. <laughs> you're like I am yeah. here for my cause, and my <laughs> cause is to find Zappel. So. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's true. But I think there's a good in between. I mean, I think I took this one a little far, obviously, and. I think, yeah, recognizing when you need to stop is like, is really important because, um, yeah, I think I, I just kind of feel sometimes like I just have to keep going to just like prove something like whether it's to my ski, the guy that I was skiing with, I was like, I don't want to show like, I just want to know, like show that I can do this, that like I can like keep up. And it's like always like, it's always like, I just need to prove that I can keep up when in reality it's yeah you just have like the best the best outcome is when you can like really like understand what you want personally and like what you can handle personally and that's kind of how you get the best runs or the best like skiing or the best and just overall have the best time so it's definitely something I'm gonna like think about more and I think yeah as next year progresses I'll think a lot about what I want and, and like what type of skiing I want to do and Kind of like explore that a little bit more rather than just like I have to do this like I have to prove myself like I have to show that I can do this like I want to like you know I want to yeah so yeah reevaluating what your motivations are which I think is good for any skier to do like why are you doing what you do making sure that you're doing it for yourself and not for anyone else or yeah like yeah social media or whatever it is like Exactly. Because like at the end of the day, you're just kind of like skiing, you know, like what is skiing? It's just like it's you're just going down the hill on two pieces of like wood, you know, I mean, if it's not for fun, then it's like that it's ridiculous. Otherwise, <laughs> like, yeah, the concept of it. So, Preach. so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just just do it for yourself and progress as you want to progress. Like there's also a different there's also a hard line between like do am I do I want to push myself? Yes, but how far do I want to push myself? And that's kind of the growing and like where you want to like where you want to be. And I would like to one day figure out how far I want to push myself, or where how much I should push myself. I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
I think injuries are really humbling with that. It's just yeah. like, you realize that there's a cost and then it's not just like the cost in your body, but your mental health. And I think you're like, you know, kind of reflection period and like healing and stuff and taking that to heal. Cause it's, it's not all just physical. And we've talked about the mental health aspect of injuries on this podcast a lot, but it's also the responsibilities that it taxes. Like, do you have a full-time job? Are you in school? Like, does it affect your ability to maintain friendships? Like not being able to have that routine, like those are considered um, stressors in psychology, right? And they all add up to each other. Like being able-bodied is a huge privilege. And yeah, it's the stuff we yeah. do is freaking nerma, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> so, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, pretty gnarly. <laughs> it is. I was going through like my insurance benefits, like my healthcare benefits yesterday. And it was like any extreme sports and it listed all of my favorite things to do. And I was like, fuck. It was like, this is not, and like, this is not a complete list. So I'm like, okay. So like anything I would probably hurt myself doing is not covered. Great. Yeah. Sick. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Well, they don't need to know that. They do not. That is correct. <laughs> but yeah, to put it into perspective, the guy that I did go out on this trip with, he said he's a base jumper. And he said like nothing, like even base jumping doesn't compare to like the feeling that skiing gives him, which is pretty crazy. Like hmm. that's like how intense like skiing can be, I think, is like even when you're like falling, like free falling through the air, like some people still would like put skiing like as a cooler feeling on top of that yeah that is really cool yeah what kind of stuff do you do in the summer do you do you go narbar through summer or is that kind of no I, I take it easy in the summer actually my boyfriend's a climber and um a lot of like my friends are pretty in like intense climber um or climbers sorry and um so they kind of just like make fun of me the whole time I just feel like a little like I just I just kind of wobble and cry and like if I can't do like you know if I can't do a hard climb I'll just be like put me down I'm done and I'll just like sit and make a stoned and alone episode while they're trying hard so I kind of yeah I kind of recede into like a like a you know scared wanderless person um but I do have a job I think, yeah, some people wonder that. So I, I do put a lot of energy into working over the summer and kind of just like getting as much as I can done before I drop everything and go skiing. <laughs> yeah, it is nice to have those things that you aren't as good at, though, because it gives you that beginner mindset and just learning how to not be good at things sometimes can be a good, I don't know if I'd say like a good feeling, but like a good benchmark. Yeah. And also it's so easy to progress when you're like new at something. So it's like really fun to, for me, I've just got a mountain bike last year. So that's been really fun. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can progress really fast and it's really noticeable. And that's what I think what the like funness uh, out of a sport is. It's not like how good you are. It's just like how good you, the potential of how good you could possibly get. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you work in the sustainability space, correct? um yeah I work in the I yeah I, I guess not necessarily sustainability but um environmental field um I do nowadays um I'd started doing some climate work last summer and 
working with the city of South Lake Tahoe. Um, and yeah, this year I am also going to be doing more climate work as well. So it's really exciting. And now I can um, just focus a little bit more on that. Um, it's, yeah, so um, South Lake Tahoe, where I live, is going to go ideally kind of transition to like a renewable energy grid um, by 2030. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going on and a lot of organizing to do. And um, yes, yeah, so I'll be working in that, in that realm. And there's a climate march coming up. So, yeah. That's awesome. I yeah. remember at some point, and I don't know how long it was ago, you could tell me, but you did like a waste-free month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, how did it go? And what tips do you have for people? Because that's something I've considered. But sometimes you just go to the store and you're like, how is this even possible? it's really hard. And I, I haven't since that time, I haven't done another waste free month either. And I just I feel really guilty about it. And I, I need to start doing it. I think doing it once a year would help a lot with everybody kind of did something like that. Um, it was it was hard traveling because it's like you go to a coffee shop, and then you forget your mug, and then you need to get like a coffee cup and then, and then or they give you a little pastry in like a bag. Um, or you really need a power bar or something like with plastic but um for tips just like make sure that you have your tupperware like tupperware bringing your tupperware is like basically you should just have that like you would have your keys or something so you just like and then most of the time unless i mean covid was a little hard but most of the time people are pretty stoked when you bring tupperware into a restaurant like say you're going to a coffee shop and you like want to get a muffin or something and then they pull out a little bag you can be like hey could you actually put it in this little tupperware and like so most of the time people are pretty stoked um to kind of like you know put put stuff in your in your tupperware and um what other tips like the other thing is kind of like you have to little at least I learned that month was like I just have to let go of kind of the small conveniences. For example, if you want gum, like just you can't just don't get the gum, you know, like it's gonna be fine. Or you want like you're starving and you want a power bar, um, or whatever, or like some sort of snack, like it's not just you can't do that. You know, you can't go to the groceries you can't go to the gas station and get like um stuff and that's why you kind of that's why like I think limiting it to a month is more realistic because the society that we obviously thrive in um is a lot of plastic consumption so I guess yeah sorry that was long-winded but to summarize like try to bring a tubware everywhere and people will be psyched and then just yeah have your little travel mug and um and then what I did when I had trash because I didn't just go zero waste free I just like collected it I just like had it so I just knew like how much I, I had for the month. And then actually you can like recycle quite a bit. So yeah. Yeah. You just have to be really on it and give up some conveniences, I guess. Yeah. I guess because I live by myself, I actually do see how much I have, which is kind of nice, but I also see spaces where I could have less, but it is hard when you're living a really busy life. Yep. But even <laughs> just going to the store and getting like, oatmeal it's like okay well now I have to get the bulk oatmeal and like it's definitely doable but you have to make those changes and mm -hmm. find like more bulk stores I guess and certain things you just like really can't find yeah if you are trying to do it no waste and 
Yeah. I, I want to do it better, but it, there are definitely still some challenges. Yeah, there's challenges for sure. And you can't really like, you can't do it all. So I think the easiest things to do are just like when you get vegetables, just don't use those bags. Just put the freaking, just bring your bags and just put your vegetables in. Just get like, yeah, get, I mean, most of the things you, depending on, Sorry, that's my dog. But depending on what you get, like most of the stuff you can get plastic free if you do go to the bulk section and it's not in COVID times. Um, yeah. So for sure. One area that I um, I realized I have like a lot of waste production and just kind of humbling is actually cosmetic routines, which I don't think a lot of people think about. Like um, I had to do a presentation on like reducing consumption um, or ideas on how to do that. And luckily I'd already been doing this for a while, but uh, like with razors, for example, like a safety razor, over 2 billion razor heads end up in landfills every single year. And they're not actually like, you can't recycle them because it's a mixed composition of materials. Like you have the, the, um, the razor blades and plastic and everything. So like, it's also like the amount of money that women and men spend on shaving every single year. Like a lot of the things that are super unsustainable are related to business and capitalism. And it's like marketing telling you that you needed it. It's a good idea. But I invested in getting a, a safety razor and it was $50 for the razor, which is stainless steel. And then it's, I think it was like $12 for a hundred razor blades. And those razor blades, like because of the weight of it, you don't get ingrown hairs anymore. Like it's way more efficient. It's super easy to use, but marketing taught us that we needed to use safety razors like Venus. Like it's all like very skilled in teaching us that convenience is the only way to do stuff, which yeah. I think is wild when you start to yeah. learn more about it. But like the cost of that, like I bought that razor probably two years ago and I haven't spent another penny. So I think it was like $55, like maybe $75 tops the whole setup and it's yeah. like a pack of Gillette razors is like $35 $40 right yeah right and, yep yeah yeah it's like little things like you kind of don't really know growing up it's not like we it's not like yeah the only thing we were told growing up was like shave your legs you know also like, not necessary I do not shave my legs yeah very often yeah yeah <laughs> that's why the razor is still less for the record I have yes. never okay, seen yeah. I have never seen a razor commercial where the chick is shaving a bushy leg I'm like this is not <laughs> yeah. realistic like <laughs> how good does this thing really work just show me okay yeah. just show me I know right the the other one is like shampoo and conditioner because, like, the first ingredient on anything that's bottled is water. So, like, I started using shampoo water. bars. I got them for Renee, and then I don't think she bought another set. I don't know why. But I started just buying them for people that I care about. So I was like, this is better. But, like, you spend, I would, I think it's, like, $35 for a set from this company in Calgary called Unwrapped Life. And, like, one bar makes up about seven bottles of shampoo. Yeah. Which is cool. insane. Like, the plastic-free bars. Yeah. Yeah. And my yeah. hair is so healthy. Like it's like natural, super healthy ingredients. And like every time I go to the hairdresser, she's like, what is your secret? I was like, plastic <laughs> free. Throws me under the bus. But my hair did not look that good with that shampoo. It just well, my hair looked for great. Me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't the one for me. I appreciate it. I used it. But which one did I get you? I don't know. 
Um, we can talk about it after, but it made my hair limp, so it's fine. Yeah, it made your hair limp. <laughs> that was weird. Yes. Yeah, the pop at the end. Yeah, I think mine's maybe in between your guys's. Like it, like kind of. I use the yeah, I use the plastic free shampoo, but it's like you know, just kind of. It's not good or bad. It just like gets the job done, kind of. So. Yeah, I think you have to try out a couple. Like I tried one from Lush. I don't know if you know what Lush is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You? yeah, yeah. It was bad. Like I have really thick hair, and it made me look like Lord Farquaad. Like immediately, <laughs> there was no hope. But this one works for me. But I think it's like I wish companies would invest in that more. It's hard to like untrain consumers. Like consumer behavior even though they know there's an alternative to get them to switch to an alternative is the problem. So it's yeah. like the incentive to the, you know, desire yeah. to change. So how do we do that? <laughs> and that's kind of, yeah. And that's a little bit of like what, um, what I'm hoping to do as well with uh, my work here in Tahoe is um, we actually just passed a smaller amendment to, for small businesses if they want to be able to like produce more in-house, um, they'll have to apply for a special permit. Um, and as a requirement for that permit, they'll have to um, educate the public on their production methods uh, with the caveat, like with the emphasis and the idea that they'll um, more or less speak to their sustainability methods. The, um, so for example, we have a shop here in Tahoe, like the, the Tahoe Wellness Center and um, they are, it's a, it's a cannabis store, but uh, they want to grow more weed. Um, so they just applied for the permit to do that. And like, as a requirement, they're going to have to um, start uh, showcasing to the public all of their production methods. And luckily for them, they have a lot of like sustainability things going on. So they're going to be like sharing with like the consumers what they're actually doing um, to make this product more sustainable. Uh, and that's like includes solar and um, like this method of how they, they restore like a hundred percent of the water. So like not really through hydroponics. I don't know. There's a bunch of really cool sustainability initiatives that they're doing. Um, so we're trying to encourage these businesses to be more transparent um, with the consumers under the, like in theory, like it'll also like motivate them to make um, more sustainable changes. So I don't really know the answer, but I think like if we can kind of like guide these, like guide either individuals or businesses like through like systematic changes, like we could maybe start making cultural change. So, yeah, I agree. I think that one, I'm just gonna say one more thing about it, but also that sustain being able to like consume things sustainably because it sometimes can be more expensive is also a privilege. Yeah. So it's like making those options more accessible too, I think would be crucial in changing culture. Yeah. And that's kind of where it comes down to like the, um, yeah, the policies is to kind of like hopefully support like make making like sustainable options just like the only option essentially um is like i think the idea for example like now i mean with rising gas prices like i know the city will work towards getting kind of more rebates on electric bikes uh for consumers who like can afford it because 
now if you're not making too much money like can you even get to work when it's right now in Tahoe the gas prices is six maybe six dollars six seven dollars per gallon so yeah like I mean you have no choice other than to get like an electric bike um at some level so if we can make this process as easy as possible to people who aren't as privileged it would be it would be great and I do think that I, I do think the city of South Lake Tahoe um is a great city to do that because they they're willing to work with like um the community on that in that regard that's really awesome yeah my truck I just filled it up was like 150 dollars and it really hurt and I'm so excited I'm starting my new job this week and it's like walking biking bus distance oh good and I cannot wait to not have to commute anymore in my truck so it will just sit in my driveway four days of the week yeah it's just loving life in its own oil i know i have have to drive so much now that i have to go back and forth to reno (laughs) for the hyperbarics so i'm like figuring out how i could mitigate my carbon impact you'll figure it out it's temporary yeah Mm -hmm. it's temporary It's been really awesome chatting with you, Molly. Uh, If you have any brands or partners that you would like to shout out and then also let people know where they can find you. Where they can watch Stoned and Alone. Okay, yeah. Yes. (laughs) I'll have time to really like hone in on Stoned and Alone. So I do have a question, like a poll question. Do you guys think I like talk too much into the camera though? Like, do you think, is it too much like my face just, feeling the camera you can be no. honest like it's with stone it alone yeah mm-hmm. it's a vlog that's what it is yeah, yeah. you're supposed okay. to do it that way okay that's like okay, cool. i'm literally helping my like my uh work right now develop a vlogging strategy for athletes <laughs> and that's like part of it it's like who would be comfortable taking a gopro and just talking shit to the camera <laughs> <laughs> and also Perfect. like are, are you on tiktok at all um, no, but I do have a viral video out on TikTok, I guess. Oh, um, classic. So. What is a viral <laughs> I video? I have to ask. <laughs> it's like the pond skim. I did this like crazy pond oh, skim yeah. that like went like insane last year. And then like, I apparently it took off in TikTok and I got a couple messages that were like, hey, <laughs> I think this is you. <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but TikTok is like training people how to consume content. Like it's one of the leading, like fastest growing content platforms. But that's the entire concept of it is people are just looking at the camera and talking. So True. yeah, I yeah. think you do you right and it's, yeah, more like authentically sharing that experience. I think that, yeah, you're doing great. Okay, Frost, great. Well, in that case. Frostbitten toes and all. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. follow Molly on case, her new TikTok account that she's going to start at yes. Stoned and Alone. <laughs> at Alone. Yes. At, here's a link to my OnlyFans if you're into <laughs> mangled <laughs> toes. Accepting donations. Yes. I'll have to make a separate account for that one. But... Oh, okay. um, yeah, I would love to shout out to um, my sponsors. Um, I had, like, obviously I ski for a lawn and they're, like, always so helpful and just the best kind of, like, ski company to work with they're just really supportive so even in this like kind of admits this a little bit of a medical emergency um they've been really nice so just like thanks a lot and um and and yeah and then you can follow me on instagram and just it's just my name so molly armin you know and yes i do uh 
I will provide some stoned and alone content for you as well. Amazing. Thanks for chatting with us. You guys are welcome. It was nice to finally like see you again, Renee, and meet you, Tori. Yeah, you too. It was great. That was like a sick conversation. And I <laughs> I hope your big toe stays whole. Me too. Me yes. too. Thank you. Rick and Marley, I... you're a tough chick. Like <laughs> Yep. Yeah. I'll give you guys I'll I'll, I'll definitely show some faux toes. Faux toes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Okay. Well, talk to you Ooh. soon, guys. Catch everyone next Monday. You.